Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Robotics. I'm your host, Nikki, and thanks for joining me from wherever you are in the world today. Continuing the series of interviews with the Women in AI winners, I'm delighted to speak with Associate Professor Elena Sitnikova today. She is an Associate Professor of Cybersecurity and Networking, College of Science and Engineering at Flinders University. Elena, you have a very long resume of accomplishments, which I'm not going to read to our listeners. It will be in the show notes, but suffice to say you're a recognized expert in your field. And of course, you won the award for women in AI and cybersecurity. Congratulations and welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for welcome introductions, Nikki. I'm very honored to be interviewed by you and share my experience, not only about the award, but the whole experience, me being uh, in a technical world and achieved. It's, it's an absolute phenomenal accolade for you. Um, I was reading your resume, and as I mentioned, your resume is extremely long. You're very, very accomplished and an expert in what you're doing. Tell us a little bit about your journey and maybe some of the challenges you've faced along the way. Ah, as long as I remember myself, I always was interested in technical uh, tasks. So I was only 10 years old when I disassembled the clock and put it all back together. <laughs> Thanks for my father was supervising me at that time. Um, so I always was uh, trying to do something unusual and uh, you know, technical or creative. That's why I joined the class um, in Georgian Technical University and I've done my electrical engineering bachelor degree. So I've never been um, surprised to see 50% of women in the class and doing engineering uh, courses. And here yeah. uh, I thought, yeah, uh, I can do something to attract more women into the profession. Uh, from engineering, from science, from data science now coming to cybersecurity. And always like to say that cybersecurity is everybody's business. It is. It's certainly a hot topic at the moment. And um, I think I was reading stats on when the bushfires were happening across Australia and the fundraising was happening. We were under attack like something like every four seconds. Um, I hope I've got that right, but it was a phenomenal amount of, of cyber attacks that Australia had. What would you say companies need to do and be aware of um, to, to be more aware of cybersecurity? Um, cybersecurity is very much involved into every days of our lives and, and work. And the people underestimate what their connections they have and very often the social um, factors, for example, bushfires or floods or other um, natural disasters or COVID pandemic, it causing people uh, more stress and they making mistakes. So if the system is uh, even prepared for them, uh, but they still can make a mistake by clicking to the uh, um, 
emails, for example, coming with a link to ransomware attacks and so on. So these kind of situations um, in a system, when we design these sort of complex systems, people don't need to understand what the assets of those systems, what the network, where the levels of access people should have and construct it with a holistic approach to cybersecurity. I was reading that I think there's a, um, a college in the US that's actually closed down now because of the cybersecurity attack and they were held ransom. The first of what's happened there. Advice to our listeners, Elena, just, just talking about plain um, security around your phones and passwords, what would your advice be? Um, passwords, it's just one uh, way of protecting your system. And very often you now see, especially in banking, critical infrastructure, we have double authentication. So it's not only one password, it's also the code sent through the another device that people are using. Um, so that's uh, another way to protect uh, the systems. But also the passwords, the people need to understand they need to uh, change them uh, regularly. They need to protect themselves, do not give the, or share password with someone. Or if they're working from home, like uh, in uh, remote uh, areas and they have access, they need to know who is using their computer, who can might be use their passwords. So that's uh, one of the things. And we talk about different levels because systems are so complex. Mm-hmm. Um, they sometimes working fine separately, but if you merge one, two, three um, different subsystems and giving access to unauthorized people to that levels, what that means, the system were working perfectly well and was secure, but with emerging and, um, you know, do not think how and who will be accessing the, the system, that's where the bridge might come. Yeah, I think you're quite right. And I think we become lazy and complacent because everything basically now um, you you require a password. And I was reading an article that we should actually have something linked to our identity that is an overall password, that it's not like separate passwords for everything, but you have one overriding password. What do you think of that idea? Um, it's, a, it's a good idea from one side, but also posing the challenges because we need to think where that one particular password to access, to give you access to every single um, storage data will be uh, stored. So we, we're talking about different clouds and, and where the cloud is, who is a provider, who is um, controlling that. So that's another thing we need to consider. So tell us a little bit about the Australian Spitfire Memorial Defence Fellowship that you won and your work around that. Um, that was a fascinating award because it's uh, been recognised me as a researcher for working in defence. So the um, the idea was uh, if we use the unmanned vehicles, which are um, easy now to obtain. You can buy them. They have cameras installed in them. They have uh, GPS navigation. They can be controlled remotely from the ground. Uh, how we can make sure if we send them to uh, to provide some missions for uh, defense, uh, how they can uh, complete the mission without any failure or um, some consequences. So we set up the lab which um, controlled the 
normal behavior of those uh, drones, and then we injected the attacks like the um, <clears throat> DOD attacks, um, SQL attacks, and seeing how the data was um, uh, changed. And then we use the data, data analytics and machine learning to find out that abnormal behavior of the drone's flights and concluded that our methodology, the framework, had a very high probability to find out those attacks and abnormal behavior. The, the the drone technology in Australia and across the world is just ever expanding now. Um, I think we've got, when I last uh, had an interview uh, with Rob Sutton, who's up in um, Brisbane, Murrigan Consultancies, it mentioned something like 2,000 drone companies. I'm sure it's increased now in Australia. What security do you see happening around drones in the future um, that we need to be aware of, Elena? Um, the future for drones is uh, enormously impacting the society because we can use them to bring goods. For example, if we have a fires, you can deliver some to the places where the human can't go or the um, situations in mining where that's also can be done by drones or just delivering the goods. There's some food companies starting using the drones to drop um, some products, groceries into your backyards. Um, but we need to have along with the technology regulations as well. So we need to know what actually equip the, uh, the the actual drones are using, how they're using, what the systems and who controls them, and the regulations, of course. Yeah, I think probably a cost of the Civil Aviation Safety Authority have got their hands full keeping up with legislation and um, the expanding use of drones in Australia. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, and that's uh, still need to be um, more matured because the technology is changing so quickly. Uh, we need to have to have up-to-date data on everything we, we're using. Yeah, you're, you're a passionate educator. Um, you're a director at Women in Cybersecurity. Tell us a little bit about this. Oh, when the opportunity came last year to join that exciting uh, group of people who are women in cybersecurity, it's a global organization across the world. Uh, and I'm representing uh, um, uh, Academia chapter in Australian affiliate. So when they talk to me about what the directions we need to take, how we can educate people through that networking opportunities, I agreed 100% to join them. So uh, we've been for one year and we're expanding. And at the moment, we're looking for a student chapter. So whoever listening to me and he is a student in cybersecurity, please do not hesitate to contact me. Uh, we just start creating that opportunity because that gives a pathway to students to be employed in a field and grow as a professionals in cybersecurity. We'll put that in the show notes, Elena. It's an absolutely fantastic uh, opportunity. And I, I think for women entering um, the tech industry, if you want to put it like that, cybersecurity, I think it's just such a good way into it. 
Yeah, that's correct. Uh, because what I, as an educator, I observed the statistics. When I teach technical courses, we normally have up to seven, ten percent students female in the classes. But when we talk about the general basic principles of cybersecurity and how the systems should be uh, protected, there was um, a lot of students from accounting, from business, from uh, systems engineering, space engineering. They're coming to this program and, and the courses and they learn a lot. And that's where we've seen more women coming along to cybersecurity because it's so diverse. It's in the cutting edge with other uh, disciplines. So we can encourage women to do that. So if you're doing a course at Flinders University in cybersecurity, what would your prerequisites be to get into the course? Uh, it's depending what course, you know, if we're talking about uh, penetration testing, of course, you need to have prerequisite or basic understanding, um, you know, scripting the language Python or, um, you know, networking fundamentals. But if I teach uh, fundamental courses, there's no prerequisites people um, can learn basic uh, understanding the networking, the cybersecurity, how to protect their system, how to defend their system, how to make them resilient, because we know the, this uh, opening to the wild world of um, you know, technology and new technology very often to be first in the market, um, they do it without and design without security in mind. And that's causing us the problem. One of the research I'm doing uh, where these small devices like IoT devices connected to the legacy systems in industrial control systems that causing a problem uh, because they have uh, memory storage, they have IP addresses and they design not to be secure. Yeah, I've, my, my kids have been on me to get a, is it a, a VIP identity or number that I must buy this so that you can't, no one can track me when I'm all over the internet exploring things that perhaps I shouldn't be exploring. <laughs> yeah, there are tools and methods how you can find out which device is connected uh, in, in the internet so can be identified. I think, you know, our prolific use of technology and the world that we live in and our phones and I often get asked about my robot, you know, the security around it. But I think people, um, they misjudge the seriousness of their own phones and what they leave themselves open to. Uh, yeah, that's as a personal choice because a lot of companies now have given you options to um, close the what you don't want to show, and I think that everybody should be aware of that. So, but other companies collect this information and how they will be using that as a legal legislation and regulation should be uh, placed. But you, as a user, can pause yourself. Which, which platform you're using for socializing or any, any other work you're doing. Yeah, and be aware of what you're posting and when you're posting, and especially youngsters listening to this podcast, perhaps be aware of your uh, digital footprint on the internet because it's very hard to remove it. That's right. That's correct. The evidence is there.
Yeah, yeah. And when you're looking for jobs and um, you've been posting things on social media that you shouldn't, uh, take note, don't do it. <laughs> so, yeah. We, we want to give them all the heads up and all the help that they can get now. <laughs> so focusing on the awards night, Eleanor, um, I was there and uh, obviously I saw you receive your um, your award. It, it was an absolute fantastic night that Andrew put together from Jewel Rock. It's, um, talk us a little bit through the evening. I know we, you mentioned briefly that you didn't think that you would even win the award but from the start did you um did you nominate yourself or were you nominated and i'm asking this for a very specific reason um that's an interesting uh question the journey how i received that award because i was nominated by my former colleague uh, her name is kate yaxley she was the winner for 2021 uh, Women in AI in Defense. So we met at University of New South Wales, Canberra, uh, where she asked me to give the lecture to her students about critical infrastructure. And I gave that information to her students and also worked close with her um, how we can explain to students 200 cadets, uh, not all from technical background, uh, the severity of this concept of protecting critical infrastructure and what infrastructure sectors are, how they work and what needs to be done. So she learned from me, not only on a subject matter, but also she gave me constructive feedback saying that I'm a good educator, students were using this knowledge they achieve, uh, received on that um, lecture in their final assignments. So she thought that is great because I showed the new ways you now construct your ways and research to protect critical infrastructure when we firstly talk, thought about signature-based uh, anomaly detection so you know a priori what will go wrong and try to match with a new technology with IoT devices you no longer can achieve uh, that because the data is constantly changing, the heterogeneous data, and it is uh, not static anymore, it's dynamic. So AI needs to be um, applied. So that's the concept and the way how I presented to students. And she said, that's great. Why don't you nominate yourself? I nominate you and you can apply for that award uh, using AI in cybersecurity and talk about um, critical infrastructure research. I'm so happy to hear that because I actually interviewed Kate when she won her award uh, last year. So yeah. an absolute phenomenal woman. Um, kudos to her. So great shout out. And I just love that uh, um, the legacy continues. You know, we were talking a little bit about earlier women and their reticence to step forward into the space when they're very accomplished and competent. Any advice to women out there um, feeling this that they they're not good enough when they they clearly are uh, i think my advice would be um even if you doubt you talk to someone who got the award try to find a good mentor and i'm happy to be a mentor to many people uh, if you ask me because i was in the same boat i thought 
I'm not good enough. Why should I apply? Even Kay told me that you're good. You just try. And then I was a finalist and I thought that's already a great achievement. I'm one of the three uh, women in that category of cybersecurity. And I haven't thought that others are so good um, came from business side of cybersecurity or data analytics. I came from engineering uh, approach to cybersecurity. So yeah, and here, here I am, I won. So my suggestion, look into other role models and believe in yourself. So if I can achieve, anyone else can achieve if they work hard. I think that's wonderful advice. And I think we, um, perhaps as women, are a little bit more um, susceptible to this notion of, oh, I'm not good enough. You know, I read stats about when a man applies for a job, he thinks about 75%. Oh, yes, I've, I'm in for the running. And women look at it 95% of, you know, skills that you have to go. And I think, oh, I don't think I can apply for this job. Mm, that's true. But um, identifying those important skills and try not to concentrate on that 5% you think you might be not right. That's uh, the key advice for me because you have to highlight the strengths first. And then if something not matching, doesn't matter. A cybersecurity is so diverse. Mm -hmm. So then you can start applying for award or work. You can always find out your own path, your own way, how you can contribute to that important cybersecurity world. You know, and I'd like to add that women that are applying for this, as you said, you know, even just making the finalists or even just being in the running for anything here, um, it, it's such a recognition of the phenomenal work that's been done in Australia by women in this um, largely, I'd say, a little bit unrecognized field. Um, yes, unrecognized and also women, um, I would say, they like to serve and that's kind of uh, concept is like a stopover. So someone is doing the work, but you complement and serve them and you're always like a shadow of another person. Mm -hmm. So you need to be brave to say, it's me who actually brightens the work. It's me who can do the work and, and show that clearly through step-by-step. Step. So it's not that easy because women feel sometimes that they're not ready or not good enough and someone else with a big voice um, talking, maybe they are more knowledgeable, but we're knowledgeable. We just sometimes don't know how to present or how to put it nicely in a contact. You can be proud. And that's, I think, skills because I have several scholarships and, and fellowships and national awards for teaching. But every time you learn as you apply, even some unsuccessful ones giving you the things to, to ponder. So why you were not successful and continue, continue applying, continue growing, and that will give you a good result.
I think those are very valid observations, Elena. And I think women, um, I think this notion of us um, coming forward as aggressive, it's not aggressive, it's assertive, or, you know, that we clearly know our own minds is perceived as, you know, nice women don't do that, which is an absolute load of rubbish, you know, like, and I implore all women out there to step up and fill your space if you think there's an opportunity for you to do so. Yeah, but the opportunity is also coming from network. So today I met with you. So it's a great opportunity encouraging others to, to do the same. And also my network with Kate, who uh, I established, never even thought about the results. So these sm small seeds you uh, start doing and start putting yourself opening to others what you do and you explain clearly that gives you the growth later so it might happen not today might happen tomorrow but you can always achieve and that is a great satisfaction so i'm very happy that my work very small work with kate in a class uh grown into this uh, international award it's not only australian in new zealand so yeah. it's it's a great great honor that's fantastic. I um I love your ethos around this that every opportunity you just never know where it's going to take you. Yes, that's correct. Now speaking of mentors, have you had mentors in your career? Like you very generously have offered to mentor women, which I think is absolutely fantastic. So anyone um thinking of applying next year, you know who to reach out to in your career. Um yes, um I think. I am sitting at the moment into several committees and also I'm a mentor for um, women in cybersecurity through that affiliation. Um, so I'm playing as a mentor role. I have three other mentees which I mentor in that profession. Um, but also I have a mentors, uh, mentors um, informal, like I made the connections and um, at universities previously, and we have a coffee or chat uh, from time to time. Or I have a formal one, Asia Pacific Women in Leadership, uh, which uh, my mentor is in Hong Kong University. So that's, I take any opportunity whenever it comes to apply to these programs because even basic principles of leadership, um, you know, but you can always learn something new and learn not only from your mentor, you learn from your mentees. So it's always both ways. And previous uh, courses on leadership, there were short courses. I still keep in touch with the people who attended. We didn't have differentiate who is mentor, who is mentee. We had a paired relationship and I still continue with that person I paid and that uh, five years ago so it's amazing how you can build your networking and opportunities to talk to people and that helps uh, you know women to grow. I think those are very valid points Elena and I I have the opportunity to speak to a lot of younger students like secondary students and I always say to them you're never too young to find a mentor. Find someone that you admire and connect with them and start growing relationships. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. don't be shy. 
and women no. sometimes shy so don't be shy and we're all busy we might not reply immediately to the email don't be shy to follow up and and ask again and explain why you want uh to have a relationship how you want to uh, and establish trust when you establish trust you then freely talk about what your burdens are, how you can overcome these burdens, how you can create your path and uh, have a vision, vision to five years of your career and then break down from that five years. I always think better to see the uh, light in a tunnel, end of the tunnel, and then work backwards. And then what to do to achieve that at the end of the tunnel, what other resources, what other efforts, what other awards can bring you to that and break to two years, one year, six months, and so on. So small goals will help you to achieve the major goal. Yeah, I think we, we sometimes um, we get overcome by the, the enormousness of the, everything we think we need to achieve. But bite-size increments, like, that's always also a good way just to start out in life. Yes, and do not think that the planning you're doing today will be for five years, no changes. In cybersecurity, we change all the time. So revise your plans. Um, embrace other opportunities because it might be not straight line. It might be zigzagging depending where you are, what environments you're working, what people you're working with. So that's also can be changed because you might be influenced by some other people and you rethink your planning, but it needs to be dynamic. Elena, thank you so much for your time. I'm mindful that you're very busy. You've got a hectic schedule. Have you got any closing thoughts uh, that you'd like to leave the audience with and where can they reach you? Uh, my office in Tonsley at the moment, I'm in um, Flinders University in, in South Australia in Adelaide, um, and office always open. So open, open to colleagues, open to students. Uh, you can come and visit me. You can flick me email. Um, so do not try to connect me through the LinkedIn because I try to connect to people I know personally through LinkedIn because then I know the person and I can continue. So the best way to find my email address at Flinders, if you just type uh, my name um, and yeah, send your message and visit I'll, me. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, that will be great. Thank you for interviewing me today. Elena, it's been an absolute pleasure. Congratulations again. Um, so accomplished and um, I wish you success on your journey. Um, I'll certainly be watching you and no doubt we'll catch up in a, in a few months time again to see what other award you've won. Oh, that, that will be great uh, to see you. Maybe not to wait another grant. Maybe we can have a no yellow pressure. Cape. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Uh, yeah. Are you located in Melbourne? I'm in Melbourne, yes. Yeah, so next time I'm in Melbourne, I'll make sure maybe we can have coffee. That would be absolutely fantastic. And to our listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed our talk today. Please uh, join us again next week for another episode of Let's Talk Robotics and have a wonderful day wherever you are in the world. Mm -hmm.